What's up, everyone? You are listening to the Budgets and Brews podcast, where we discuss, chat, and ramble about personal finance, investing, getting out of debt, budgets, business, and beer. My name is Rich. And my name is Tony. And this week's topic is gamification, the Robin Hood debate. In this episode, we will be discussing what gamification is, are more apps implementing it, and then we go head-to-head, providing pros and cons for Robin Hood. Who will come out a winner? So stay tuned. On the show, we have a guest, a special guest, Joe Saul Sehi from the Stacking Benjamin Show. Uh, so many other shows co-hosted and wrote and financial advisor for 16 years, the money man at Detroit television, which I thought was really interesting, appeared in LA times, Chicago, sun times, Detroit news, many more. Joe, uh, tell us a little bit more. I didn't, I didn't encompass everything in there. What am I missing out? <laughs> Here's the biggest thing on my highlight reel. I made it to budgets and Bruce. That's all people got <laughs> yes. enough, right? All right. Top of the mountain. I'm here. I made it. Uh, everything else is a footnote. Thanks for having me guys. Happy to have you. Yes. Yeah. Honored that you, that you're able to join us today and we're going to, we're going to splice that too. And let's just, you, every advertisement, we're going to reel that right in front of every single one. That's like whatever my wife, Cheryl tells me that I'm a smart guy. I'm like, I just need to, if I could splice this, like we do the podcast, that would be awesome. Yeah. Right. I'm a smart Remember? guy. You're a smart guy. That's right. Remember that you told me that back in, back in 97. Right. Uh, but gamification, I think this is a great time to actually have this discussion um, because of Robinhood, because of what happened on Reddit, because of what's happening in the news and everywhere. And I want to at least define what that is so we could sort of use that terminology. And what it is, it's, uh, you know, let's talk about some com- uh, companies that are doing this too. But uh, it's a way to make trading a platform more fun, interactive, and social, like a game. So we're going to use that as our, as our premise when we're doing that. So any way we could sort of spike an app or a trading platform, make that, that social interaction and make it fun. Uh, that's what we're going to use for gamification. And what we're also going to talk about is Robinhood specifically. Is that gamification? And we're going to list out some pros and cons of that. Any other definitions we want to include, like, or what will you think of when you think of the word gamification? When I think of gamification, Rich, I think of just making it fun, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, everyone uses the definition that you use, which is uh, 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 how do we take uh, these apps? How do we make it so that people are going to do these these things that hopefully make you more wealthy or make it a habit easier? But I don't even think it has to be an app. I mean, and I'll give you an example. You know, uh, Cheryl and I have a weekly uh, budget meeting. And the second I say that, there's a bunch of people who aren't money nerds. The money nerds are going, that's so cool. But <laughs> 99% of the world goes, oh, that's got to suck. Like, that's got to be the most boring thing ever. So gamification for me is taking this thing that everybody thinks is boring and making it not boring. So here's what we do. Mm. It's it's always it's always over pancakes or wine, depending on what time of day it is. If it's in the morning, we have pancakes. It's at night, we have wine. You know, you could have both. Make mm. it even crazier. Right. We, we we don't go that far. <laughs> pancakes yes. and wine. That's right. We're crazy, but not that <laughs> far. Um, we keep it to 20 minutes. You know, um, we make sure that that we have this set agenda, but that it moves, that it's fun. And mm. we found that when we have this 
20 minutes together talking about our money once a week. You know what happens? The the that that gamification of that meeting, making it fun, makes us have these residual conversations all week that we wouldn't have had. And right. we're we're on the same page far more often than we used to be when we would have these, you know, blowouts about money because we'd never talk about it. So maybe it's not a bad thing. I feel like when we use that word, at least now in this time, it's almost it has like a negative connotation behind it. So maybe it doesn't have to be that negative. Now, Oh, no, I actually think that for me, from where I sit, I mean, my my whole podcast is based on the idea of gamification is good. So mm. I'm uh, I'm on the total other side. If I can take something and I can turn it into a game. But 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 to your point, where we're going to get into with Robin Hood is right. it, it, it depends on the intent of the people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, spoiler alert for people that have never heard me talk about this before. I effing hate Robin Hood. I just absolutely, <laughs> I've, I've been railing on Robin Hood for like three years and I'm finally right I feel like you. the world's finally caught up, right? But but that gamification, I feel like we are being, we're being used, um, we're being we're being sold a bill of goods because it feels like it's fun. Yeah. And, mm. and in truth, my opinion here, uh, Robin has just been lying to us the whole time. Yeah. I, I actually have a quote. Um, it's from Bloomberg. And uh, some say Robinhood has turned investing into an online social activity and is making it too easy and too fun to wager money on stocks and more complicated investments. Regulators are weighing whether such practices belong in the financial realm. And that was from Bloomberg right there. So once again, looking at that, the negative component of that. But I see what you mean, like where, where that intent is. I think that yeah. is really strong. I come from a, a education background, and we always try to figure out how can we teach the subject or how can we deliver this message in a fun way rather than the kids in class just staring, you know, staring around. Let's make it a game. Let's make education a game so they enjoy learning. Similar to, um, which I actually have, the rat race by Robert Kiyosaki, um, you know, to to learn about finances and things like that. A lot of people love that game. Do you love it? Well, I wish I had someone to play it with. I played it once with my wife and ever since then she hasn't played it with me ever <laughs> since then. So I'm trying to find somebody else. I like it. Next I like next time that. next time I'm in Monroe, we will right. we, we will do that. Uh, uh, but but I want to get you guys take on on this on this thing that Bloomberg quote because I think that hits it two different things. Mm-hmm. Number 1 is you know, Robinhood was the first one to get rid of trading fees, right? Mm-hmm. And then M1 Finance was right behind them. And then pretty soon it was Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, then everybody had to do it, right? Yep. So now now if you pay anything for a trade, it's considered a bad thing. But, but, I, but, but I really wonder if that, you know, what were trades before that, like eight bucks? I wonder if that $8 trade was a big enough speed bump to get rid of where we're at now, because I feel like where we're at now is is something, you know, states regulate gambling. Mm-hmm. Individual states have their own laws about gambling. You know, um, uh, uh, we have some casinos in uh, Oklahoma, uh, just just north of here across the border. Um, there are some in Shreveport just south of us, but that's a heavily, gambling is a heavily regulated industry. And I feel like once we went from $8 trades, which if you think about it, isn't that, isn't a ton of money, to zero dollar trades when combined with COVID, like that is just a cesspool of I can gamble from home, right? Yeah. I think there's another th- component with that too, though. Yes, it's also the fractional shares 
Oh yeah, 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 you know what I mean. So I think yes. Robinhood gained its popularity because of the zero trading platform, where everyone followed suit, and then also making it um, able to buy whatever a dollar, two dollars, three dollars into a company whose share price might be two thousand dollars. Because mm-hmm. if you look at that, and then you look at you know the GameStop debacle that just happened, when those shares hit two, three hundred dollars, would people who actually the, the the majority of people who invested in that would they have three hundred dollars to to cough up if they were just getting in at that line? Right. Instead, I can put 15 bucks in it and, hey, ride my 15 bucks down yeah. to two. You get a whole bunch of people who don't maybe have that much money who shouldn't be investing. Hey, just throw $10 in. If you get enough, that works, even if the share price is way above $10. Yeah, I'm not I'm not somebody who's for, I'm generally not for more regulation, but I think that's a question we all have to ask. When they say, mm-hmm. when blue, in that Bloomberg quote that you read, when they say that officials are looking into this, I think there is something, there's a conversation we need to have about zero trading fees mm-hmm. um, and about, and, and I love the point on fractional shares. And I think mm-hmm. Robinhood's had some lawsuits against them, you know, in regards to their transparency on like what happens behind the scenes when you place a trade on their platform. And to your point, as far as, you know, making it easy for everyone just to gamble, the, the option trades are a big one. You know, I think I like Robinhood that it gives the ease of access for, you know, everyday people to be able to get a platform very easy straightforward to use and you can trade and and invest um, in different ETFs and stuff like that but when you start seeing these beginning investors who have no experience at all go into these big option trades and contracts and losing tons of money or making tons of money it kind of gives a false like it it really is gambling that kid this summer that killed himself yeah uh, just absolutely horrible because people that don't understand options trading something that they really don't get into which and and that's interesting to me tony that you know uh for me to get into options uh uh, my little sandbox account i don't do individual stocks of most of my money but i have a sandbox account like a lot of people but i left mine at td ameritrade Mm -hmm. and when i decided to start trading options man that was rigorous like going through all this do you understand what you're getting into do you yeah. understand all this and, and with robin hood that's not the case right you want mm-hmm. trade options dude it's like come one, on yeah one thing that pops yeah. up and then it's just like an okay and you're good to go and does that you- also it kind of the sounds in the robin hood app the feel of the robin hood app the sounds of the robin hood app kind of sounds like a casino doesn't it yeah they, they go heavy on the gamification <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah which actually is so we'll move right into this so how is it gamified or fun? That's what I have. So one of the things I wrote down here, social interaction. So investors are congratulated on their first trade with confetti. So when you open up your, maybe your buddy gave you the referral thing and which actually you, it also offers a chance of a high price share such as mm-hmm. Apple for referrals. So it's encouraging you to give somebody else uh, your referral code. You might be able to get, you know, Apple. Now the likelihood of you getting Apple or Google or something like that is probably really, really limited, but Hey, why not? Let's take that chance. Let's take that gamble. And then boom, confetti sparked when you make your first, your first trade. Great. And then the ability to uh, browse the 100 most held stocks among fellow users for inspiration. When you go on there, you can see all the ones that are, are mostly held. And then the entertainment ecosystem, such as like a TikTok video under hashtag Robinhood stocks, they have millions of views. So now other people are sort of like pushing you to there and they're making it more like entertaining like that. So those are a couple of things that I sort of picked out when I'm thinking about how is Robinhood like that with the, with the music and the different things that you were talking to behind there. Um, any thoughts on that? Any additional things or are those okay? Is it okay to have something like that on that app? I think it's okay to make it fun. 
I think it's cool to have the confetti when you make your first trade because as, as, as you guys remember, that's a that's a hell of a moment when you actually put money behind something. Yeah. Like I like these uh, simulators that you can use that teach how to push the buttons and you know. And for a while before I traded my first stock, I just used simulators with no money, and I thought I knew everything. And then it was funny <laughs> when I had money behind my first trade. You never realize how much your emotions change when there's real cash on the line, yeah. right? And and it was that's so frustrating. But, but it's funny you can see you can see this thing we talked about earlier about intent when you compare Robinhood to another new platform backed by a lot of big names called Public, right? Public also uses gamification. Public also lets you lets you trade for no fee. Uh, also has this whole social component where you talk to other people and you high five other people and there's all these things yet, yet th there seems to be some speed bumps. Um, and I'm not going to be able to pick them out right now. Cause I just thought of the, of this, this other app that's right. out mm -hmm. that does a lot of the same things, but I don't get the, I, I get this, this is fun feel, yeah. but I don't get the, this is gambling. Let's do it more feel. Um, but I think that the gambling do it more feel, let's talk about where that comes from. Is that really for you and I to have more fun and spend more time on the app? I don't think so because I'm not paying anything for a trade. That's when you ask yourself and Tony's get back to your point. Mm -hmm. Why, why do they make it so fun if they're not making any money off me? And then you find out that if you're not paying anything, you're the product they're right. selling, right? That is a great point. Yeah. And, and, and I, Go ahead. Well, and they're selling your trades to these hedge funds, yes. which gets into the whole, did they or did they not? They'll tell you all day long that they were not coerced by hedge funds to change mm -hmm. the game. Um, but then you look at what really happened. You go, eh, really? Yeah, they are the um, they are the middle person, right? You mm -hmm. put in the trade. Robin Hood takes that and they sell it to, I think it's Citadel. And then Citadel, if it's a $10 trade, they've actually bought it for $9.99. And, yeah, and then yeah. that's what they give it to you for. So they made a penny. But when they could make millions of pennies every single day, millions and millions of that, that's when it adds up. And then what happened when, if we specifically talk about GameStop, what happened when all that went down is Robinhood put a hold. You can't buy this anymore. And then who lost money? The hedge funds lost money. And then what did the hedge funds do? They went to Citadel and Citadel bailed them out. And they said, hey, here you go. Here's some money. You can get back into this. And then it, it was just a cycle. It is, it, it is, it is crazy. And then only able to buy odd lots. So people selling could sell as fast as they wanted, but if you wanted to buy more, you could only buy five shares at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. There was a big well, lack of transparency on why that occurred. And I think the CEO came out and they tried to clarify, you know, Robin hood did because people were really just beating on them for limiting and restricting the ability to buy and sell that GameStop. Uh, stock during those periods. Here was my frustration, Tony, with the clarification that Vlad had the CEO. Sure. He he went on the one I saw, and and I know he went in other places, but but but, but so so he was on CNBC, and the, uh, the 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 CNBC guy asks him what happened, and he said Vlad says, well, you know, we have these obligations and the markets are moving really fast and we have to make sure that we keep liquidity. So we, we had to slow things down so that we were able to process all these trades and clear heads and prevail. And the CNBC guy said immediately said, it sounds like you had liquidity issues. 
I mean, you're saying you had liquidity issues. And Vlad immediately says, which is not uncommon for the Robinhood CEO to do this, mm-hmm. said, oh, no, no, we didn't have liquidity issues. And, and I immediately stopped because you just said you were having liquidity yeah. issues. Yep. And then you say, no, 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 we're not having liquidity. You had a $2 billion line of credit that you tapped. You were clearly having liquidity issues. Mm-hmm. So, so when he looks right at the camera and lies to you about that, much like he did about SIPC insurance and how it worked. Remember when they were going to pay a lot of money on your uh, on your your savings account inside your Robinhood account? Sure. And then turned out the SIPC turned them in because they said that's not even what you use this insurance for. So that's a lie. The number of times Robinhood will look at the camera and tell you something just made this last process. I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't know because yeah. he's lied to me so many times. So, right. and people, by the way, have asked me. They've said, "So, wh- why do you get so angry about Robinhood? Do you have some like problem with 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 Robinhood?" And and I actually had somebody who listens to our show who said, "Well, you got to give them a break because you know they're a young company. They're not a young company. They've been around for nine years." And by the way, it isn't my job to say, hey, let's give the people holding my money a break when they screw me over. Uh, TD Ameritrade is not my friend. Fidelity Investments, Vanguard, they're not my buddy. But but they 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 don't um, do have these practices that are just always seem to be lying to me. Yeah. I just I I don't want the company, you know. Other companies aren't choir boys, but certainly this is mm-hmm. Robin Hood's pretty ugly. I don't know well, if you know, I don't like Robin Hood. Yeah, I think I got I'm finding that out. That I'm finding that out. <laughs> when, when you're dealing with the uh, financial institutions, you know, there should be some level of trust. And it seems like, you know, with Robin Hood, lack of transparency uh, on their back office practices and stuff like that, the way the, tr- the trades work and stuff like that, that really, you know, it kind of hinders that trust. And, you know, it's a financial institution. There's really no room for error there. You should be upfront and transparent about everything you're doing. If we take that gamification that they're doing and we turn it to good, you know, we do the same things that they're doing. Uh, uh, You guys had an episode recently about gamification and savings accounts, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can have a savings account and you enter this lottery. And if you hit the lottery, you might get a higher interest rate. Well, that helps them. That helps me. It makes it more fun to save money, right? Because I get more tickets when I save more. As long as they're doing this lottery system in an ethical way, that's a great use of gamification. That's an incredible use. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, with the episode that we just did. Yeah, 100%. So here's another – when you mentioned uh, a different um, app or a different – what was that called? Yeah, public. Public. So here's another one and other companies, and I'm wondering – this will come into the U.S., and then also will Robinhood or other people start adopting some of these techniques. But the um, Israel-British firm eToro lets customers see each other's portfolios, and it provides a chat function that lets them talk to one another about stocks. Not bad yet. Um, it's going to enter the U.S. It's licensed to enter next year. But it also it, it's big on copy trading. So it designates the top performing amateur traders on its sites as popular investors, similar to like that verified you know, that we see on a lot of like our Twitter yeah. things and Instagram. And then it lets customers copy their trades with a tap of a smartphone. So that's awesome. I think it's great. Is that called like mirror trading and stuff too? I'm sure there's different names for it, but um, yeah, essentially when someone says, Hey, I'm really good at trading, 
look at me, look at my gains. And if you want, uh, you can copy my trades. It but sounds what like- makes you good at trade? Like, I guess for me, I want mm-hmm. more information on the data of like, how are they assessing this person that's good? Because they bought sure. one time and their GameStop shot up to 400 and they pulled out. That Now I should copy every single trade that they do and not having any knowledge of this. And so if they put $20,000 in, should I also put $20,000 in <laughs> if I had that much? Should sure. I only put 10? So I feel like I would love more information with this, but I also feel like it's getting to the point where they want that social interaction. Um, I watched the uh, documentary, I forget what it's called, The Social Network or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, something like that. And they want you on their app as long as they can. That's why when you go to TikTok, it just starts playing videos. You don't have any other option. And it just keeps on feeding you and feeding you. I feel like these companies are trying to be more and more like that. And by doing so, I think if you're on there too long and you start copying these people, they're going to lose. It doesn't mean they always win. Um, and so it's like, when is that point where you lose? And then how much of that money should you have put in there in the first place? Do you have your other buckets taken care of? If you're good and you have, you know, your retirement, if you have your 401k, if you have one in your match and your Roth and you're doing all that stuff and you're, you're well, and this is money you can go out in your front yard and light on fire. I don't care what you do with it. But I feel like the target is not for that audience. The target is for the, maybe the younger generation or the generation that's coming up. And that's what sort of scares me with this. If it, if it leads to better habits and understanding how it works and you maybe have a cap on the amount of money that you can do that with, uh, I'm with Tony. I think it's cool. I think it can lead more people to, to trading. Um, the part that I don't like rich though, is exactly what you're saying, which is that I feel like when it goes down and we don't know why, then we blame the wrong people. I remember mm-hmm. uh, people in their fifties coming into my office when I was a financial planner and they would say, um, okay, I'm finally going to get in the stock market. I'm here to find out which stocks I should buy, which is, which as you guys know, is not at all the right, right. questions to ask right. and not even yeah. the right place to start. And, and I'll tell them, you know, we may end up with mutual funds or exchange traded funds, mm-hmm. but the first thing we're going to do is we're going to establish some goals Take a look at your budget. We're going to do all this stuff. And um, I remember with some of those people meeting with them and and they would tell me that the whole process was the opposite of what they thought. They thought they were coming in to gamble some money. Mm -hmm. And I think that to your to your point, a lot of these things reinforce this gambler mentality. Oh, really? You know, Tony's a great a great trader and I can just ape his trades and I don't have to know what goes wrong. There was a, there's a guy I really like uh, who is a fantastic book called uh, the, the uh, Rule One Investing, Phil Town. Phil Town is a fantastic investor. Great guy. Love him. But I remember seeing him speak when I was younger and uh, he had a system then where you could follow his trades just by he would have a stoplight system. If it was yellow, it was a hold. If it was green, it was a buy. If it was red, it was a a sell. And he even says now, he's like, that was a horrible idea because I put up the light and people would trade, but they never knew why they were trading. And now if you read his Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Rule One Investing, now he tells you what's behind the stoplight Mm -hmm. and you end up with the same type of system, but now you know the guts of it and why Phil's talking about making the movies making. Um, the, the, you know, what's you know, what's sad about all this, like there's mm-hmm. this under, there's this undercurrent of all of this, that, that this stuff is hard, you know, that people yeah. think that this stuff is hard and I don't need to take the time to figure it out. Cause it's going to be too hard for me to figure out. But as you guys know, it's not that hard, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that we keep, I don't know how we get around this idea of, 
of this is too difficult for me when, when it isn't, and I'm not saying that it's not a grind sometimes, cause you yeah. guys know good money habits are a grind yeah. and sometimes it can be a little boring, which is why we do gamification of the, the boring pieces. Right. Yeah. But the fact that it's hard drives me crazy. And I think that's another reason people go, Oh man, I could, I could just make it in GameStop trade for two days. Let's take my whole 401k and bam. I also think that's terrible. The, the weird place that we're in now with the market yeah. You could throw it in anything. It's going to go up. It almost feels like. And yeah. so no one has saw a dip. I feel like the chatter that's going on now, the chat rooms, it's just like everyone's just winning. It's just, just throw your money wherever you're going to win. And no one's actually felt, whoa, what happened? I thought I was supposed to win. So-and-so on this chat room said it was a good investment. Dave so. Portnoy, the head at Barstool Sports this summer, yeah. had this famous tweet where he's like, hey, guys, here's how you make money in the stock market. I take three random letters. I put these letters together. <laughs> I draw them out of a bag, and I put my money behind that, and that's how you make money. Oh, really? Ticker symbol QWF. Let's see what that is. Oh, it's some company in China I've never heard of before and don't know anything about. I'm going to buy 100 shares. How like much you, you want to bet? Some people followed that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, most of us know that Portnoy is a, a court jester. I won't call him a clown. I call him a court jester, right? Sure. He is. He's big and loud and brash. And yet, what's funny is, is that then he was one of the dudes complaining that he lost seven hundred thousand dollars because of Robinhood, mm. and it was it was Robinhood's fault, not yeah. his fault that he's been talking about gambling all this time with stocks. And if those Robinhood's letters fault. don't, if those letters don't have a ticker symbol already ready, let's go ahead and get a uh, SPAC. Is that what they're called? <laughs> the SPACs, and let's just pu push that out because every one of those who came out, oh, the next day it's up fifty percent, up eighty yeah. percent, like you can't lose, like hundred percent gain. Games. Yeah, yeah. There, there's Jeez. there's two big things that we've been kind of going back and forth with the gamification aspect. And then also the fact that I feel that there's a disconnect between people who are new to investing and retirement planning. And they think, you know, we Joe, you kind of mentioned everyone thinks there's there's a lot of complex concepts in investing. So people think, oh, my gosh, this is so out of my league. This is out of my realm. Unless you're a professional, you can't get into this. That is not true. Uh, with some basic research, and this is something that Rich has helped me out throughout, you know, because I didn't come into this podcast with a lot of investing knowledge. Um, Long-term investment goals, you know, mutual fund, ETX, index funds, you can do the research, you can learn how to invest, and you can learn how to take care of yourself for the future, and that's where you should be starting. Too many people jump into this, they want to go stock trading, they want to get into GameStop, they want to get rich quick. It's not really where you should be starting. That's not a good starting point. Um I like Robinhood because it gave me a platform where I could come in with zero to little experience, kind of learn how to invest and to buy stocks, uh, things that, of that nature. I've since moved on to more robust platforms like um, TD Ameritrade and Fidelity and Charles Schwab. Um, but the gamification definitely plays a part there when you know you're doing your first trade. It becomes fun, and we start looking at. Uh, you know, like Facebook and Twitter and these social media platforms, they are engineered to keep you on their platforms, right? And now we're starting to see this kind of the same concepts being moved into investment platforms where, you know, Robinhood has the top gainers and the top losers. And I found myself just opening to check my, my portfolio. And all of a sudden, 45 minutes later, I went through 20 different stocks and I'm looking to see, I'm looking for a deal or something. I'm looking to buy a dip. And, you know, it really, some of the gamification can keep you on those platforms, make you do trades that you maybe wouldn't do. Um, you know, so it's kind of like a, it's really, 
I don't know. I don't know at what I'm trying work, to say here. At but. my work, that's all I hear people talk about. I'll go in yeah. the back room and their their phone is open looking at stocks yeah. while they're at work. And I'm just like, does the boss know? You're, you're, you're doing that? Why don't you get back to work or something like that? But, it's just but you like, know what's funny is that this isn't the first time that's happened. I mean, in the yeah. in the late – I'm, I'm going to play the old guy card here. The, the uh, Back in the late 90s when they had the first tech run-up and companies like Pets.com and these crazy companies, I remember – uh, so many complaints about people, uh, and these are early days of the internet, but people consistently on their computer checking their portfolio as yeah. it's going to the moon. I got fired by a client in 99 because their portfolio only did 47%. I got wow. fired because we did 47% which is unbelievable. And, and I was never the type of advisor that would emphasize returns. It was always, what do we do? Right. Mm -hmm. So we're getting 47%. I'm high five myself. My client comes <laughs> in. He's like, my buddy's getting 90. You're gone. You're oh, out of man. here. <laughs> and, I, and then, you know, you look at 2000, 2001, 2002, and there was this backlash, but we were told then this is new. This is different. Things are, things are way different. The old rules don't apply, right? That's what we were told then. Right. 2007, 2008, in the, with the housing market, hey, we don't have to have income verification. Go buy property. Property values don't go down. Mm -hmm. We don't look at what happened with property. 2000, the rules were still the same. They got out of whack. And now I feel like we're kind of seeing this again with the casino, you know, not even gamification, casinoification of yeah, the stock yeah. market. Like the, the yeah. people thinking these rules don't apply and, and they still do. And the sad thing is I feel bad for anybody who's gone into Wall Street bets on Reddit in the past like two weeks <laughs> because those people are not seeing the same. I think Wall Street bets was kind of cool because it was a different look at my, it was a whole different attitude. The attitude I felt before was it's only money. Yeah. Uh, live fast, die hard, go big. But it's only money. You know, we, we don't worship money. We're just having fun. We're, 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 we're living. So it was this whole cavalier feeling about money that I actually found kind of contrarian and refreshing. And now I feel like it's a cesspool of pump and dump people. Right? Yeah. I'm going to pump up a stock. I'm going to hope like hell it goes up. And then I'm going to get the heck out. So, well, let's jump into this debate about Robin Hood. Should we, okay. who's going to come out a winner? We're going to pros and cons. We're going to move on there. But before we do, don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, but most importantly, budgetsandbrews.com. There you'll be able to find the plethora of podcasts that we have, finance articles, beer reviews, music videos now, and our merchandise store and subscribe to our newsletter to get all of that, just one email once a month. The Robin Hood debate, the pros and cons of it. We talked about a lot of them. Are there still some left? Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with the con first because I'm a hater. I'm also okay. a Robin Hood hater. <clears throat> I'm going to go with the con on this one. The first one I have is they don't offer a tax advantage accounts. So there's no 401ks. There's no IRAs, HSAs, any of that stuff. So as I talked about before, making sure your buckets are, are filled filled up. I mean, I would make sure that you are tax sheltering yourself before you get into something like that and make sure you have those, those first. Mm -hmm. Could we all be in agreement on that? Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Okay. You should have your investment goals and, and your financial situation stable before you even think about trading individual stocks or anything like that. Agreed. And the pros, here's, here's a pro, and this you sort of mentioned this, Tony, a little bit. It's uh, Robinhood, it sort of combats the saying investing is for the wealthy. 
Um, anyone can do it. Like you don't need to have a million dollars. They've dumped it down to fractional shares. It's simple. You could go on the app. You can see what's going on. Boom. You know, so I do think I like that. I would add, I would love to have some more education before that. Because the fact, like, you should go through a tutorial. You should do something, mm-hmm. watch a video maybe before you put your first trade, and to just I don't know, hear the language, hear the lingo. I think that would be that would be cool. I think that is a pro, and I also think it is a con because if you are new to investing, I would not recommend you go to Robinhood because, as you mentioned, you don't get 401k, you don't get IRA options, you don't have any options for those retirement accounts, those things that you should be focusing on first. Mm-hmm. You don't have any options to do any of that through Robinhood app. Um, yes, it makes stock trading accessible for everyone. Like literally, I think the enrollment process is like five to 10 minutes long and social security number in, you're good to go. Um, but I would love to see the platform have more knowledge based content where, you know, you enroll to Robinhood. If if it popped up and said, okay, here's the first thing you should look at is planning for retirement, going through these steps, making sure you, you do these, these things before you consider more aggressive or risky, uh, investment, uh, mm-hmm. vehicles. Um, that would be great to see. Yeah. You know? and, and, and riffing on Tony's point, the only way I think it's a pro is I think that it shows the responsible brokerages really, um, it gives them some light about who we are as people and what we look for. We look for a shiny interface. That's not intimidating, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we look for an approachability to our app. And, and by the way, we can hear over and over from our friends that they've been lying to us and it's a crappy company and we shouldn't use it and we keep using it anyway. Mm-hmm. I've had plenty of people tell me they're like, I know all this. And for some reason I keep using it. And so I think that the Fidelities, the TD Ameritrades, the Schwabs can learn a lot from how do we make this more approachable for people while still being responsible. Right. Yeah. Um, being, being short on time, I'm going to now whip through these and we'll sort of debrief them. Another con I have, I'll list all the cons I have. I got a lot of cons <laughs> for this. All right. Poor customer service. There's another one. No mutual funds or bonds. There's one. Frequent outages. There's another one. Restrictive trading. Sometimes. There's another one. Misleading incentives. Prior- they prioritize stock picking over all. And then you don't own your own crypto. The platform actually does not allow users to withdraw or deposit actual crypto coins from their Robicon crypto account. You can buy or sell them at any time, but you actually never own them. And the pro that I have to follow this up with is adding a game-like aspect to financial services could help reach users who might otherwise feel reluctant to try to invest in. We talked a little bit about that before. Is it adapt, adapting like a, a game-like elements for you know exercise? You think about like Fitbit. You know, that makes it fun to, to you know loyalty programs for airlines. You know, oh let's do this. So I guess if there's an education piece, <clears> I can see that. So there's my list of the pros and cons. Thoughts on those or additional pros or cons that you could even think of too. Joe, go I ahead. Just, yeah, I just have one. <laughs> I just have one other con, which is actually my big con. <clears throat> my big con is I work with people that I don't think are lying to me or holding something back. And if you tell me that a company like Robinhood doesn't understand how SIPC insurance works, which, by the way, I know most people listening to this don't understand it, but you're not running a major or what's trying to be a major platform. Mm -hmm. But if you tell me that you run that platform, you don't understand how SIPC insurance works and you send out something to everybody that, that is either a lie or you don't know your stuff, either way, 
I don't want to work with those people. Yeah, uh, so, so yeah, management's yeah. either lying to us or is negligent. And I don't know which one it is. I really don't. So that's my biggest con. Tony, any, anything, any last minute words? Yeah. I mean, you just touched on a couple of things like poor customer service. It's literally non-existent. It's like very <laughs> difficult to get a hold of them if you need to. Um, frequent outages, stuff like that, that, that happened. I guess that could happen with any platform. Um, but it seems to happen a lot with Robinhood, <laughs> and every time it does happen, they're in the they're they're in the headlines. Um, it's like the biggest trading like day of the year. That's what like, it's always at the worst time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it is like always yes, time. yes. That always seems to happen. Um, yeah. To Joe's point, yeah, Robinhood is kind of setting the standard for what people love within an investment platform. The easy, clean interface. Um, it has the buy, sell, and trade, uh, or buy, hold, and and sell. Um, percentages right based yeah. on different analysts. It has all yep. the news headlines when you're viewing a stock. It's got a bunch of, yep. you know, yep. it doesn't have robust, like a ton of information, but it does right. have a lot of information available to you in a very easily digestible uh, little page when you're viewing a stock. And that that's something I haven't seen as much on other trading platforms. Um, even if, you know, like Fidelity, they have a Trader Active Pro platform you download for your PC, and it's great. It's got like so many robust p tools, um, different features that you can use, much more so than Robinhood does. But it almost feels easier sometimes to just hop onto Robinhood and be able to view this information. Yeah. No, well said. And uh, to add to that, too. And so I don't know if we're necessarily going to pick a winner here, but at least, you know, to supply the listeners with our thoughts for what that is worth. Some of the pros, some of the cons. We heard them all. I have five more questions, and this is straight to Joe. And this is our I'm power hour. I'm You're entering our power hour right now. And <laughs> it's uh, semi rapid. The first thing that comes to your head. OK. Question number one. What's your favorite song? Uh, oh, favorite song changes all the time. Right now, it's a song called "The Mediterranean" by a band called The Beautiful South. Okay, favorite movie? Oh, it changes all the time too. Because <laughs> I see about seventy movies a year in a normal year. I like Cheryl, and I like watching movies. My my favorite classic movie. I'll okay. I'll do that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Okay, favorite beer? Uh that that um, also changes all, <laughs> all, all the time. My favorite, my favorite as beer. of today, as of today. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go. Uh, uh, Acme Pale Ale. Okay, all right. Best finance book or resource. Uh, for a long time, my favorite finance book has been Rick Edelman's The Truth About Money. I think it's the most even-handed book. It's funny. Um, it's a big book, but where a lot of books have an agenda, it, it, it very much has, like we tried to do here with Robin Hood, has, you know, what's the pro, what's the con? Mm -hmm. And he now has a, the Squirrel Manifesto for kids, which <laughs> is does. really cool. Um, oh, the best piece of finance advice you can give somebody? Uh, get started. Uh, and, and, and if I, which I should stop there because that's nice and sexy and short, <laughs> but I would also say, uh, people over, over emphasize, um, the role of fees. And while fees are, it's important to pay low fees. And I agree that you will get there quicker if you go low fee. I also think there's a lot of people who are just starting out that have heard so many times, fees, 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 that they're afraid to do anything. Don't be paralyzed. It's okay to go into the high fee thing at first because you're there's enough competition that you will 99% of the time be fine. Get started, yeah. then learn how it works and learn low fees later. 
hundred percent. And you know, that concludes this episode. And just once again, Joe, thank you so much for joining us and just sharing your knowledge and wealth of knowledge that you have. I don't know about that, but it certainly was fun. It's, it's, I don't know if you, I, I guess I would like to say I'm not a fan of Robin hood. I don't know if you guys got that. Where could people reach you? You can find uh, me in the circus. That's the stacky Benjamin show uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, wherever you're listening to us here. And I got a couple of those links in the show notes too. People could check those out. But that wraps up this week's episode and join us next week for our bi-weekly beer review. Joe will be joining us for that. If you enjoyed listening, we ask that you give it a thumbs up, subscribe or follow. And oh yeah, please share this episode with friends and family. If you found it beneficial. Also, don't forget to leave a review and comment on what topics you want us to cover for the upcoming weeks. That does it. See ya. See ya. See ya.